that's okay. Hey, so uh, super excited to be here. Uh, let me just do some quicker introductions. So super thankful uh, to those of you who are online who are worshiping uh, this morning with the dwelling. Praise be to God. Good to have you. Uh, Pastor Seth, as you saw and you heard, is on vacation, which is an incredible, incredible thing. Um, as I was sharing uh, with the team before service, I don't know about you, but I, one thing God's teaching me this year, and this is, Seth kind of said, hey, preach on whatever you want. I'm like, okay, which is always kind of a challenge because the book is just wide open. Uh, but this is what God's been teaching me this, this last, whatever, 18 months, uh, however long we've been in this weird new world we live in. Uh, not, the old world's not coming back. You know that, right? Okay, you're in a new world. We're in a new world. Uh, there are parts of it that'll come back, but it's new, uh, and that's okay. Uh, as we're going to talk about, uh, that kind of creates some anxiety, right? Some unsettling change because we don't know. We don't know that world. We don't know a, a, a post-pandemic world. I don't think anyone here was around in like what is it, 1918, with the Spanish flu or something like that, right? This is all new to to us who are living here, and so that creates some anxiety, some some uh, nervousness. But what God's been teaching me is about Sabbath and and rest and resting in Him. And uh, one of the ways you rest in Him, at least for myself. Uh, and Seth is similar, uh, is just hanging out in God's creation and, and getting away. And, and obviously, he was not in Houston in that video, right? Uh, there are no rolling hills anywhere close by to where we are. Uh, and uh, Jackie and Seth and their family is just an incredible gift to, to my wife, Sarah, and our four kids. Uh, it's just a joy. I got to tell you, um, maybe you've heard this if you've been at the dwelling uh, for a while. If this is your first time, uh, the dwelling is part of our church planting uh, network called the Harvest Partnership. And I got to tell you, I've never had so much fun in ministry as I do right now. Um, and it's because of doing uh, the work of God with other churches. Uh, it is an absolute blessing and joy. Uh, and I just feel privileged and I kind of feel I shouldn't feel guilty, but I feel a little bit guilty that we're having so much fun. Um, and then we get to hang out with incredible people and uh, also get encouraged. Uh, so some of you here, I'm not going to call you out by name. Uh, maybe I'll talk to you later. But like I get to hear stories every other week about what God is doing here at the dwelling through the way God has gifted you uniquely. And um, some of you, I know, you know that story like, I know who you are because I know your story, because your story has been shared. And it is an absolute joy uh, to hear those stories. So I want you to know that Resurrection is praying for you. Uh, the Harvest Partnership is praying for you. Um, and it's just, it's an absolute gift and a joy uh, to be in partnership together. And, and sometimes as, as lay folks, uh, you don't get to see or experience all of that. And, and the leaders sometimes get a little bit of it. Um, but just go have a sidebar conversation with Ian. He'll tell you about it. Um, it's just, it's an incredible joy, but it's uh, done because of our awesome God, but also um, because we have this desire to let the kingdom of God flourish and expand. And that looks like a couple weeks ago, didn't Seth put up a map of uh, kind of this northeast Houston area? Raise your hand if that conversation kind of was scary. You saw that? Like, oh my gosh, are you really saying we're going to start planting churches? Yes, yes, yeah. So uh, super excited about that. And they're going to look all sorts of different ways. 
and uh, that's a, a, an incredible, beautiful thing. But uh, so uh, I don't have Legos for you today. I'm sorry. I don't have any big prop for you today. Um, I just got math, uh, not Matthew. I got Philippians chapter four. So if you have a Bible uh, or you have your phone or if you're at home, uh, go to Philippians chapter four. And what I want to talk about today uh, is resting in God because there's a slew of change that has happened. There's still going to be more change coming. Uh, You you know, the next fight's going to be, do you vaccinate your kids or not vaccinate your grandkids? You know, it's just, everyone's, it's just, we live in this world of full of tension and, and that could cause some anxiety, right? That could cause some stress, uh, much less if we didn't have enough already, right? We got relationship problems, we got relationship excitement, but even, right, a new marriage, right? There's change. You got to learn, oh man, all the new fights, you know, toothpaste tube from the bottom or the top squeeze, right? The toilet paper roll underneath or from the top, right? Exactly. Who are we going to spend holidays with? And oh man, just there's change galore. And in the midst of that, that creates anxiety in us. And yet in Philippians chapter 4, Jesus gives us this incredible encouragement, but also kind of a, a teaching and a command of do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. And so I'm going to start off uh, the message today by just reading uh, part of Ephesians chapter 4. And so I'm going to pick up in in verse 4, and I'm going to go through verse 11. And then we'll pray. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. This is Paul writing to the people at the church in Philippi. Not that I'm seeking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be, read this word with me, content. Man, talk about a life goal. (laughs) Like, how am I ever going to strive and accomplish contentedness. I think here's the reality. You can start to learn it and start striving towards it, right? When we start leaning into God's word and we start praying. And that's where the beginning of this passage began, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by what? Prayer, by petition, that is asking, right? But in prayer and petition, present your requests known to God. So I want to talk about maybe the second most famous prayer in the United States of America. Okay? Uh, You guys tell me, I need some interaction. Uh, The most famous prayer you would say in the U.S.? The Lord's Prayer. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think that's pretty well known. I'm going to take a debate and or throw this out and say the one I'm thinking of is the second most Famous prayer in the U.S. Okay, give me some some guesses. Now lay me down to sleep. There you go. That you know what? I think that's got good contention. 
okay? Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest and let these gifts to us be blessed. The common table prayer. Okay, I, you know what? That's a good one, too. All right, I'm thinking of another one. Let me, I love it. Are you a teacher? You just remember, I was a student. Let me pass this test, Lord Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. What else? Psalm 23 is a prayer. That's another great, oh man, see, so this isn't the second. It's just tied for the second. Someone in the back? All right, there we go. That's the one I'm looking for this morning, the serenity prayer. Oh yeah. All right, so Alcohol Anonymous has made this prayer part of their spiritual healing process, right, in addiction. And addiction is something that you and I are affected by. And I'm not talking just about alcohol. I'm not talking about just drugs. I'm talking about every single one of us are addicted. That's a pretty bold claim I just made, right? But we are, aren't we? Right? I mean, that's part of what coming before the Lord, it's another way to say it is, you know, as we receive communion or you come before the Lord and you say, God, you are Lord and I'm humbled. I recognize I've got addiction issues. All of us have got issues and all families. Hey, Kendall, all families. Hey, Ian, all families. Just telling you, all families got their stuff. Right? Everybody agree? Turn, turn to the person next to you and say, your family's messed up. Do it. Come on. Say it. All right. Now, turn the other way and say, your family's messed up. All right. You're like, oh, and you can't hit one another, those of you who are married, right? You can't. It's true. All of us are messed up. All of us are addicted in some way, right? We're certainly, most certainly addicted to ourselves, right? Navel-gazing, self-centeredness. It's all about me, I, right? Or the old, Bur what's the Burger King slogan? My way. Yeah, my way right away at Burger King now or whatever, right? What, you can have it your way. There you go. Yeah, something like that, right? Burger King, you can send the dwelling a check. The dwelling Porter, Texas. We'll take a check. We certainly will. Okay. So let's get to the serenity prayer. This is a prayer that a lot of you know. Um, it's one that's grounded in Scripture, and Philippians 4 would be one place we could go. That's the place we went. So let's, uh, we're going to slowly read this together. You're very familiar with this first slide, right? Just, you can read it yourself. And the serenity prayer was written by Richard Niebuhr. I know you don't care about this, but you got to give credit where credit's due, right? Uh, Richard Niebuhr, he was a pastor and he was preaching, um, and he used this prayer a lot. It's been adapted over the years, and he even adapted it many times. It didn't get published by him until 1951, but it's referenced in a magazine article in like the 40s and was used even before that. Just like you and me, we adapt sayings, right? Don't you have little family rules in your house, and you say it, and then like the oldest kid figures out a little way and nuance that that's they figure out a way around it, so you have to change it for child two and three to make sure it's like a little bit more solid and they can't use it against you. Or is that just my family? Okay, just my family. Okay. All right, so uh, let's read this first slide together. Uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So we're going to stay right there. Uh, Niebuhr, when he wrote it in 51, changed to something in this first line. He said, grant me the grace 
Grant me the grace to accept the things, right? Now, he probably didn't use that early on, uh, but there's something in using that word grace. And so often, this prayer is one that's kind of used as, hey, whatever your alcohol anonymous, anonymous would say this, whatever your higher power is, right, just recognize there's something greater than that. But Niebuhr would, would argue that it isn't just a higher power, okay? He would argue that it's Jesus. And he would argue that it's coming from the scripture's itself, if we could like bring the man, saint and man back to life. He would argue for this, uh, that it's really grounded in scripture. And raise your hand if you're familiar with this prayer, okay? Okay, you know what's coming. Uh, there's actually more to this prayer, right? This is the one people have memorized, but this is, now we're going to share the elongated version or the full version, if you don't mind going to the next slide. We'll read all this together. It's two slides. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. So here's my encouragement straight up. Uh, if you have your phone, just text yourself and go, Serenity Prayer Full Version, or you can go on Google or whatever, Safari, and go look that up. This is an incredible prayer that I would suggest in the midst of chaos and in the midst of change is well worth memorizing and taking as a part of your spiritual devotional life. And if you can, I know I'm not a memorizer. It's super hard. Dude, I'm pumped. Sorry, total ADD moment. You're wearing a Cubs? Dude, that's awesome. I told you I'm a Cubs fan. I am proud of you. I am very proud of you. You know, sometimes I wear an Astros hat just so I blend in, and other times I wear a Cubs hat, and then I get persecuted in this city. Um, do you have that experience as well? Sometimes? Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm just... You know, I said we all are messed up, and sometimes we have idols, right? I, I'm admitting my idolatry to sports that sometimes I get a little, you know? Anybody have that problem? Or is it just me? Okay. Yeah. Pastor Seth and the Packers. I have a lot to say about the Packers, but I'm going to say nothing because I don't want to sin. I'm a Bears fan. So we're going to quickly get back to Jesus where Seth and I have some agreement. Um, so in the midst of chaos, this prayer is powerful. And what I want to show you this morning, as your brain, those of you who've been around the scriptures for a while, and even if you've thought about spiritual things a little bit, you can start to sit there and go, yeah, you know what? I can start to see how, how this prayer really is kind of grounded in the word of God how it's really grounded in things that are higher than, than the chaos and the disorder we live in in humanity. And so my encouragement really, here, here it is, my challenge for you, my encouragement is that you would look this prayer up and you would start really spending some time in it and reflecting on it in light of what Jesus says about himself and about this world and how he, as we sang earlier, right, forgiveness is like honey on my lips, that forgiveness and renewal really is coming. For those of you who've gone through trauma, for those of you who've experienced abuse, those of you who have been addicted, those of you who are addicted, those of you who are saying, I just want things to go back to normal. 
how do you handle life? How do you handle your own mind? How do you handle your own heart when there are so many things competing? And Jesus would say, come to me. Isn't that how we call this first disciple? He said what? Come what? Follow me. Come learn from me. So if we would, let's go through some of those scripture passages. Uh, let me just ground some of this uh, in scripture. So I'm going to trust that you'll, you'll go to the first one. And uh, here we go. I could probably give you 20, but here's a few. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. My wedding verse. Boom. I don't know what you guys have, but this was good for Sarah and I. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? God's leading, right? God's way. Trust in the Lord. Not in my way, but trust in his ways. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Philippians 4, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be what? Content. Okay, next one. Uh, John 3, right? Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, a religious teacher who's saying, man, how can I come into the kingdom of God? And then here's these famous words, you know them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but what? In order that the world might be saved through him. If you don't mind going back one slide. There is only one little part, and I just, I'm sorry, I have to do this. There's one little part in the serenity prayer that does drive me nuts if it gets misinterpreted. Okay? The serenity prayer says, take the world as Jesus did. If you interpret that as Jesus has no problem with what's going on right now, then you're misunderstanding what Niebuhr meant by that. What he meant is that Jesus recognizes that the world is broken and he's going to do something about it. So he, he's taken the world as it is, that is in its brokenness, and he's going to take it there and then he's going to resolve that issue, right? So for God so loved the world that was against him, God first so loved the world that was, you know, totally addicted, totally in chaos, totally self-centered, and he gave up himself for others. Amen? For he so loved this world that was against him that he chose to be for this world. Taking the world as it is, right? He went to go resolve this thing. This chaos and this order and this disease, okay? All right, do we have any more? Did I give you any more? There we go, that's enough. So if you look back to Philippians chapter four, right? It says, uh, verse five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. And you're like, that's impossible. I don't care if you have kids or you're, Frankly, what I keep hearing is parents of adult children, that that's like really an anxious time for some people. Is that, raise your hand if you would affirm that. Like it's more anxious with adult, oh no. Would you say it's more anxious, you experience more anxiety with adult children than when they were little bitties? Yeah? yeah? Oh Lord have mercy. Like you're not encouraging me. Right? I think, come on, I've come here to church and you're not encouraging me. Okay, all right. So, but that's what's, but what's the encouragement, right? The encouragement is that's real life. 
right? There's actually some encouragement in truth. There's encouragement in reality. There's encouragement in knowing the expectations, right? So you're teaching me that, you know what? Okay, if I'm left to myself and the way I try to deal with my own anxiety or my own stress, i.e., you know, eating a lot um, and not exercising, and um, working a lot, because that's another one of my addictions, um, I start to misprioritize what God wants to do in me and, and through me. And so if I've got four kids, Seth and Jackie, how about that? Little baby and Jackie's tummy. If you didn't know, I didn't let the, oh, you guys didn't know. Okay. I didn't let the cat out of the bag. Um, <laughs> so we've got we to gotta reorientate something, right? We could just title this message if you wanted, right? Uh, what would Jesus edit, right? As we're coming out of you know, some of the lockdown stuff, and we've been out for a while here in Texas, praise be to God. Um, what would Jesus edit? And I think Jesus would edit resilience. So often in our culture, we try to find resilience in ourselves, right? We try to find resilience in our family. We try to find resilience in what is predictable and what we know. But God, God would say, I want to edit that, and I want you to find your resilience and seeking my face, and seeking my word, and being with me, and letting me serve you. Let me give you the forgiveness that you need. Let me give you a spiritual meal that starts to heal your heart, and your mind, and your soul. Let me give you a community that's going to walk alongside you, and with you, in the midst of your trials, and your struggles. And then some of you say, but the church is the one who's hurt me. Oh, man, and that's deep. I understand. By experience. But Jesus doesn't say find your resilience in the body of Christ alone, because the body of Christ should be what? Reflecting whom? Jesus, you find your resilience in whom? Jesus, or you think about that, that wedding passage, right? Ephesians chapter 5, right? 521 says, right, love one another. And then uh, he, he gives this image of a bride and the bridegroom and how they're supposed to totally sacrifice for, for one another. And Jesus says, seek my face. So let's jump to the prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage. We could, and I'm not going to do it right now, but you could go look up courage and you could dive into the scriptures and see where God calls us to be courageous, right? He says, don't live by fear and timidity, but by what? By power in the spirit. That is to be courageous in the Lord, right? To be bold in the Lord. The courage to change the things I can. Okay, can I, I Fred and I were just talking about this uh, before service. Would you agree there is only so much time that you have in this world? Amen? There is only so many. All resources are finite. All resources. Relationships, time, physical energy, intellectual capacity, and, and spiritual um, focus. 
Trust me, I could dive down the road of any number of political issues in our day over a glass of beer, and I could waste tons of time, and it is important. However, what is more important than even that? My relationship and other people's relationship with Christ. Okay? Because it's eternal. Right? I could go down and we could talk Bears, Packers, or whatever your thing is, Strohs, and whoever, right? I could dive down that sports, but there's, it's so finite. So I enjoy those things, and we should enjoy those things, right? Can't wait to go on vacation this summer. We're going to New Hampshire. Coonsies went out west. We're going out east to see family in New Hampshire. It's going to be awesome. We're going to fish and spend time on the water, and it's good. And so we should enjoy God's creation, But if I only have so much time to affect things, for those of you who are parents and grandparents, can I speak to you just just one quick moment? God would say one of the most critical evangelical things you can do, one of the most critical things is to continue to lean into your children and teach them the word of God. Dad and mom, you are images of God in their lives. And those of you who are young here, like young parents like Seth and I are, like just go talk to some of these, not your parents, okay, because you're not going to listen to them anyways, unless you're at least 35, then you start to figure out they're kind of smart usually. But um, go talk to somebody who's got adult kids and they're just going to speak life into you and be like, you know what, seriously, one of the best things you can do is just love on them, care for them, give them predictability, Give them security. Remind them that you love them because they're going to face those identity crises that you have faced too and they need that place. And that's doing the mission of God, right? Harvest Partnership is about sharing the gospel, making disciples and planting churches. And sometimes uh, adults were like, man, it's about sharing the good news, and it is. And primarily, God would say, first and foremost, it starts in your home. Don't neglect your home. You do it there. And then as an expansion from there, you just send out a bunch of little gospel, little dwellers, man. The word of God dwells in these little guys' hearts. They'll go share the gospel like unbelievably, okay? So the courage to change the things I can. What's within my control? The wisdom. So Uh, James chapter 1 says, when you need wisdom, then you should what? Pray to the Lord. You should ask. Don't be prideful. Be like, God, I need your help. I think it's James 1.4. Let's keep going. Uh, Next slide. So here's that second part. I just want you to, to soak in this, right? Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, right? Not to be, you know, Debbie Downer and Negative Nancy. I can say Negative Nancy because that's my mom's name. Um, nothing against Nancy's in the world. My mom's actually a pretty positive person, right? But I don't have time to keep dwelling on the negative. Now, here's the deal. I get it. I have those stories, too, and I've had times where it has consumed me, but it's this nasty disease. It's like a disease. It's an addiction, and it just can start to consume your mind and your heart, and it's just... It's gross. It's icky. Like, who wants to be around the friend who's always, always complaining? Anybody? No. Now, here's the deal. God also wants you to be honest and authentic, so you got to find those places and those people where you can have transparent conversations, right? Here's a huge one. Um, and accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. 
I got to tell you, uh, the dwelling as a church, and you guys do this really well, really well. So commend, condemnate, or not condemn, that's the wrong word. Commendable, not condemnation. Listen to me. I'm going to drink coffee. Hold on. I want to commend you guys. This is awesome. You guys lean into this so well, right? This recognition that we don't have it all together. And one of the best ways to live out the gospel these days is to embrace experiences of trauma and brokenness and to say, Jesus is your ultimate healing answer, and here he is. Take him if you want him. I'm here to give him to you. But here he is. To not run from those situations, but to embrace those situations with the good news of Jesus, right? Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. So when I'm going through a hard time, and I'm going through a challenging time, and everything seems to be just breaking and falling apart, and sometimes those seasons last for years, to be like, Jesus, Jesus, use this. All right, real quick. So Seth... um, well, both of us have been to India. COVID's like knocking India out like crazy right now. But one thing we constantly hear from our friends in India is this. They've experienced persecution of, on all sorts of levels, but they do not pray to get out of it. God, would you give us the strength and the boldness and the courage to remain faithful and that you would use this difficulty for an expansion of your kingdom? And what do we usually pray? God, get me out of this really hard time. Let me go back to happiness. There's something we get to learn from the church, from brothers and sisters in Christ across the globe who say, no, this hardship is a pathway to understanding peace in Jesus. Right? Praise be to God. I think keep them in your prayers. Taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. The world is not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Get over it. And now look forward to the next slide. Here we go. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, right? When I live in God's way, when I live in his commandments, they really have freedom, right? The Ten Commandments are not a, uh, a pressure down on you to cur- like, uh, to, I don't know, like be a weight on you. They're actually freedom. To live in it is actually where joy and freedom ultimately comes. So that I love this. These next two lines, so that I may be reasonably, right, expectations, 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 that I'd be reasonably happy. If I'm reasonably happy, that's good enough, okay? Reasonably happy in this life, and here's the key, right? I know a new life is coming, a full life that I'd be supremely happy with you forever in the new creation. Amen? Like, who wants the new creation? Amen. Like, come now, Lord Jesus, where there is no more mourning, no more crying, no more tears, the old order of chaos, disease, pandemics, death, all of that's gone in the new life has come. And even now as a baptized child of God, or if you're questioning, going, you know what? I think this Jesus thing, it's, there's something to it. Like God saying, I want to give you new life even now that you would have new eyes, that you'd have new lenses to look at the world, to say, you know what? God has something new for me even now. 
to live in his grace, to live in his forgiveness, to live in the light of Jesus. Let me close with this last story. Several years ago, it was actually when I was a pastor in Illinois, a man came knocking on the door. He came into the church some random day. It was like Friday. Nobody was around. There were two or three of us around. And he said, does anyone baptize here? Secretary's like, um, yeah. What's up? And he's like, man, I have lived in darkness for so long. And now I see the light. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're actually using biblical language and not even really knowing the scriptures at all. This is kind of an out-of-body awesome experience. It's like everything was clouded. Everything was dark. I like lived in a, fa- like a fog, you know what I mean? And now I sit there and go, man, God's love, God's forgiveness. Like I feel horrible about what I've done, but I, I've heard that Jesus is willing to forgive me and that I can walk in, in new life. And he's like, the whole world is wide open to me. I see things I had never seen before. Conversations with people are new and bold and amazing. You think the guy got baptized? Yeah, he got baptized. He got washed. He got dunked. For sure. Hallelujah, right? So, brothers and sisters, resilience. As we continue to move forward in the next few years, I, even the dwelling, you know, as talking about planting churches, that's going to put some pressure on this system. But it's a good pressure. It's an exciting pressure. And there's some resilience in that because God, even through the resilience, calls us to what? Lean on him more and more. And as we get to rest and bask in Jesus, right? There's rest and there's life. If you pray with me, Father God, we praise you and we thank you because you give us courage. If it's up to us, man, we're going to fall flat on our face. We're going to end up running away. We're going to end up quitting. We're going to end up getting prideful. But God, when you give us life, and you give us your life, and you give us your way, oh God, you you wash us new. So God, grant us the grace to accept the things that we cannot change. We pray that you give us wisdom to know the difference. But most of all, God, I pray that we would see this world as Jesus did, as broken and yet resolved in the body of Christ through his death, through his resurrection, his ascension, and his promise to come again. Lord God, as his people that we would be reasonably happy in this life. But that we would be supremely happy with you forever in the new creation. We long for that day, God, and let that be our focus. Let that be our hope. Let that be our joy. Let that be what we talk about. Let that be what we pray about, God. Let that be what we share with our children and our grandchildren and our, our uh, nieces and our, and our nephews, God, that you would give us those moments by your Spirit, that we'd be able to live boldly and speak courageously that this world is not the way it needs to be. It's not the way it should be, but you have come to make it new. And through your death and through your resurrection, you've begun that work. You are the first fruits. And the fruit 
of everlasting life. And the fruit of a renewed creation is coming, God. But you're not done with us. You're using us. So Holy Spirit, we give ourselves to you. Use us to proclaim your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.